In Hebrews 10, it says that we're to come together and to challenge each other, provoke one another to love and good works, and not forsake the assembling of ourselves as a matter of some is, so much more as you see the day approaching. And I don't know that I would say we're in the very last time, last days, but I think we might be in, not in the last of the last days, but we're in the last days. We don't know how long they'll last. And I'll refer to that a little bit later. But one of the things that, that uh, impresses me about the opportunity to get together and challenge each other, scripture makes it clear that when we are really involved in a relationship with the Lord, the joy and the blessing, the reality of that experience, naturally this, in the spirit realm in the, or in the, in the spirit experience, we're going to share that with somebody. If you don't have a testimony for the Lord, if, if you don't have something to say about the blessedness of your, your experience with the Lord, I'm not going to say it doesn't mean you're a Christian. I'm going to say it means you need to draw near to God. And of course, we always need to draw near to God. But one of the things that uh, I want to open it up at the very end if we have time for testimonies for you to share and it's going to be based on a, on a psalm that I'll get to then but I'm going to read it now because I want you to be thinking about it but to save you a guilt trip if you don't have a testimony at the end doesn't mean that you're not where you ought to be spiritually when we sing together have you ever thought about why we sing what the purpose of singing is? Well, one of, the, one of the important purposes is to worship from the heart, to, to be involved in expression of our, of our heart throbs to God. But another aspect to that, is, to that is we are testifying to each other about our experience, about our worship, about who we are, what we believe. It's our opportunity to witness, to testify conjointly. And so as we sang this, this last song, I listened to what you all were saying to me. I was hearing your testimony. I was hearing your challenge to <clears throat> walk closer to God. I was hearing your, your uh, admonition to trust and to obey. I heard you all telling me that. And if you listen carefully, you heard me telling you that. And so in this message is an opportunity for me to share some things with you to encourage you in this. But uh, I plan for us to take the opportunity to engage in singing throughout this message for several reasons. One is to reinforce by, work, by, by the poet's songs, the song, uh, poetry and song, their messages that reinforce the scripture it's also an opportunity for you to join in and actively worship and embrace those truths with your testimony. And so I've asked Brother Chad to lead us in a number of songs throughout the message. And the message is, is going to be somewhat brief in this that I don't have a lot of, of um, scripture, maybe more than sometimes uh, some messages, not from my messages, but... But I want us to allow the scripture to speak to us, then I want us to respond to that in song. <clears throat> now the verse I wanted to, to bring to you 
for consideration as it relates to your opportunity to share comes from Psalm 51. And I'm going to read uh, verses 7 through 13. And I'm going to come back to this, like I say, uh, at the end. <clears throat> the psalm writer is seeking for that close, um, vi vital relationship with God. And this is what he said. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins, and blot out all mine iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. Verse 13, then will I teach transgressors the way, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Now that's talking about me sharing with others and them getting converted. Well, that's not what I have in focus so much this morning, but the idea that when we have experienced this cleansing and this drawing close to God, we will teach others from our experience. We will share. <clears throat> there are other verses that could say that more pointedly to the point, but I'm going to allow, allow that one to stand for now. Well, the message title this morning is How to Survive in a Hostile Environment. You could turn with me if you like to Matthew chapter 24, verse 12. Well, maybe I'll back up and read just a couple verses ahead of that. Verse 10, and then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. This is speaking of the last times. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Verse 13, but he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. And so the challenge this morning is in, in this hostile, hostile to spiritual reality, uh, life, this hostile environment that it says we're going to experience, and we're seeing it, that there's hope for us. But we need to be aware of the, the, the propensity or the, the, uh, the challenge to not allow the influences of the world to take us away from our relationship with God. And I said, use that word propensity, that tendency toward the worldly influence that's around us, to get involved in that, let it cool us off spiritually, to let it take us away from our love to God and our commitment to God and our desire to serve him and to be obedient to him, to trust him and obey him. <clears throat> Several years ago, some of you probably remember and some of you may not know it, but I was out in the pasture field one day bringing the, the cows into the barn and some things had changed in the process of time. Uh, just the week before, Evan had made a number of changes in the herd, uh, had introduced a couple of bulls together in the same herd in the dairy cows and put the heifers in with them. It was kind of a change. And so in that herd, things weren't really established in terms of 
uh, the way animals, uh, how would you say, categorize themselves? There's a pecking order in animals. I guess y'all know that. Uh, usually there's a queen cow, and if there's a bull in the herd, he's dominant, he's king. And if there's more than one bull, then they have to sort that out. So they, they fight it out until one's dominant. Well, <clears throat> this had just happened, and so this process hadn't quite finished playing itself out. And I knew it, but I forgot it. And I went out into that herd to bring him in, and normally uh, you use the four-wheeler, so you have that protection. You're kind of isolated from the herd in that sense that you're not really vulnerable. But when I uh, decided to go, it was time to go get the cows in to milk, the four-wheeler was about as far away as the cows were. Instead of walking to the four-wheeler, I decided just to walk to get the cows in. Now there was another thing I forgot. If I'd have been thinking properly, I didn't do this regularly, so I kind of got caught off guard. And uh, actually, it was just a spur of the moment thing. Evan needed to, was in a hurry to get through this, this chores that even to get to church. And I wasn't involved in anything, and so it was like, hey, would you help me? Or actually, my wife suggested I go help him. And so he said, well, that's what you do. You go get the cows in, and I'll get, uh, I'll get there, and we'll work together. And so normally, if I'm walking, and, and I know there's a, uh, a bull in the, in the herd, I carry a stick of some kind. And that's, a, to an, that's an advantage. It, it, uh, they respect some of those things. Now, you can't guarantee it, but it's one step the right direction. Well, I was out doing my job, and these heifers were new, and they didn't know which way to go toward the gate. And I was yelling at them and walking and waving my arms and trying to get them to all go the right way. And all of a sudden, out of the group of animals emerged this bull, the biggest one in the herd. And he walks right up to me. Like, what are you doing with my herd? And there I stood, facing the bull, without a stick, without a four-wheeler, on my own two feet that were getting pretty light. Well, what do you do? <clears throat> I knew he was a little bit aggressive. We didn't think about him being a problem, that much of a problem. But this was a special situation where everything was set up. It was like the perfect storm had, had just presented itself. Well, I remember reading, reading an article in the Reader's Digest one time that said, if you're out in the wild, you're hiking or something, and a wild animal shows up, you make yourself as big as possible, and you make as much noise as possible, and you just intimidate that animal. And so somehow I, I took that advice. And I got, I started waving my arms and yelling in his face, and it didn't work. And so my choices were, do I run? Do I just slowly back up and give him the opportunity to just figure me out and take me out? I wasn't sure. But he was going to be sure that I didn't take over his responsibility and he was going to do whatever it took to show me that. I don't think he had... He wanted to grind me into the dirt, but he wanted to show me. And I was determined that I'm going to let him do that. <clears throat> but he was bigger than I was, and he was more determined than I was. And so he just started coming toward me, not fast, just walked up to me. And I thought, if I leave, he'll chase me, and I can't outrun him. Too far to the fence. And so while he had his head down to, to butt me, I just put my hands on his, his uh 
where his horns were supposed to be. Fortunately, he didn't have much horns. Uh, I thought he had little nubbins there that I grabbed a hold of. Later, I saw him in the field, and Evan said, he didn't have any horns. He didn't have any nubbins. You, I don't, they were there for you to hold on to, but he didn't have them. <laughs> but I grabbed a hold of his head, and he picked me up, and he took me over toward the fence. And when he got close to the fence, he put his head down again, and my feet touched the ground. And I just took off and rolled under the fence, and I was, I was free. I was safe. Well, that sounds good, and it is good. But in the process, I think I cracked the rib, so I paid with some pain over the next couple weeks. But I was so thankful. But I, I don't remember all that went through my mind as I was on my way over there to the fence. But I, I, I thought about this is interesting. This is the way it ends. Uh, I didn't know what was coming. I wasn't fearful. I remember that. But it was, it was a, quite an experience. And I've said facetiously, uh, now I've got bull riding off my bucket list. I'm thankful that God was, was gracious and spared me. But you know, there was a point of that whole thing, and I bring this uh, little illustration up just to, to think about, he was hostile. He wanted to put me in my place. And I was helpless to a certain extent. And I think, I think God gave me the, the, the wisdom to make the right moves to protect myself and to be spared. But I want us to realize that in the spiritual realm, we have a hostile environment. We have, we have an enemy that's looking us in the face, always trying to figure out how to gain dominance over us. And he entices us, he challenges us with many different things. And you might notice that that verse that I brought to our attention in, in Matthew chapter 24, it says, because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Iniquity is abounding, but the thing that concerns me and that I, I just want to put before us is the knowledge of iniquity is so much more available than it ever has been. In other words, I don't think that evil men are all that much more evil than they used to be, but I believe there's there's more of them. And I believe that the, the knowledge of iniquity is with, with the technology we have and, and the environment we are living in, there's so much more for us to be, uh, be faced with than it used to be. And I believe that may be what it's referring to, that because iniquity abounds, the love of many shall wax cold. And so brothers and sisters, my heart reaches out to each one of you this morning. Don't allow yourself to become victim of this hostile challenge to your spiritual existence. We need more of what it takes to be in love with God, to exercise that love for God, and to trust Him, and to be committed to obeying Him. And I'm not telling you something that's hypothetical. I'm telling you something that I'm facing. I realize that it's more difficult to shield ourselves from these influences of the world. Just the fact that we have this technology, and I say this technology, the technology we have, 
things that are available that actually are tools that are helpful can also be the door that opens to things that distract us that aren't necessarily all wrong but they can replace our our attention uh, or displace our attention we begin to think about and focus about on so many things that are happening that it can actually rob us of our time for meditation, worship, prayer. And these are important things for us to exercise ourselves in and to stay in tune with God and have our love sharp and real and meaningful with God. And so the text verse I have this morning I want us to focus on is Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us draw near. We need to stay close to God if we're going to be able to survive in this environment. We need to have that relationship that's viable continually, not just on Sunday morning, not just on a few times during the week that we actually stop and think about things. And this is a real challenge. But that we process life as it unfolds from a perspective of what honors God. What draws me closer to him? What are the things I avoid to avoid separation in my relationship with God? Well, God does his part, but he wants us to have a true heart, and that term true heart would have that impression of a sincere heart. <clears throat> in full assurance of faith, you see, the spiritual realm unlocks itself to us when we express our faith in God and his provision in the word that explains this to us. And so we need to be familiar with the word. We need to be living in the word, living from the word, because it's the word, it's the promises of God, it's the realities of God that we trust in and we believe in and we accept by faith that nurture this relationship. It says it here in this verse, with a sincere heart, complete with faith, or the assurance of faith, full assurance of faith. But there's, there's a part of this equation that God has provided for us that we need to be taking advantage of. It says, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. What does that mean? Well, we could have a whole sermon on that. I think I mentioned this in the last message I brought. Uh, from Peter's writings, he mentions the same thought of having our consciences sprinkled, cleansed with the blood of Christ, sprinkled, that sprinkling. You know, Moses in the Old Testament, uh, when he sanctified things and when he initiated covenants and so on, he took blood and sprinkled. It says he sprinkled the book and then he sprinkled the congregation with blood. And this actually, they, they didn't understand, and, and it's hard for us to really understand exactly what all it was, but it's more for us to understand than for them because it was actually a symbol of the spiritual realities that were coming for the church, for us. 
And so we need to understand, we need to be exercising ourselves in that continual sprinkling of the blood. And to understand that, we need to understand the blood. We need to understand what it means to be sprinkled by the blood. The blood is a symbol of life and death. Because where blood is shed, then there's death. And to be clean of our conscience, we need to allow the death of Christ to be the symbol of our response to him, which is death to self. And death to self is an act of love to God. And when we love God, then, then we, we give ourselves to him and we can have a free conscience because death to self is repentance of sin. Repenting of sin. is reaching forth with a desire to be holy. And of course, it's the holiness that gives us that free conscience. And we can be holy because we have died to self. We have surrendered ourselves to Christ. We have acknowledged our need of cleansing from sin. And then uh, that, that death, Christ's death, the sprinkling of, of the reality, the spiritual realities into our life give us that freedom of conscience and pure life and holiness. And of course comes with that joy and blessing. I want us to just think about what brought that to us from John, 1 John chapter 3, and notice our response to it. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, and following through verse 3, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that, we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. And so it's on the basis of looking forward to being like Jesus ultimately completely that we experience that likeness because of the hope of it happening and we purify ourselves, we continually allow ourselves to be sprinkled by that death to self so that we can experience holiness. That death to self allows us to have a clear conscience, void of offense. I'd like for us to sing together song number 774 in the purple book. Divine love, all love excelling. Just bathe your your heart in the message of this song in thanksgiving to what God has done with his love for us. The soul loved him
I mentioned the process of, of how God has provided a sacrifice for us through the death of Christ. I'd just like to read from Hebrews chapter 9, verses 11 through 14. <clears throat> but Christ being come an high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands that is to say not of this building neither by the blood of goats and calves but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place having obtained eternal redemption for us for if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of an heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctified to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? It was his divine love that was expressed toward us in providing that sacrifice, that opportunity to have our conscience just purged from dead works, make it possible to serve the living God. Could we sing together verse four, uh, song 415? Four fifteen. And oh, what can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me pure within? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is our
Psalm 73:28. But it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all his works. And so as we draw near to God, we have this desire, we should have this desire, and I want to challenge us, and I am trying to challenge us this morning to think about this verse and this, this thought. That it is we are drawing near to God and we put our trust in him that we may declare all his works. And that's why I want to give you opportunity here in a few minutes if there's something you'd like to share along that line. But in the meantime, I'm hearing you declare what you're saying through song. mentioned earlier from uh, the uh, first verse in Hebrews 10, 22, and I'm going to read it again. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. And I want to go to Isaiah 29, 13, which gives us a warning. It says, wherefore the Lord said, for as much as this people draw near me with their mouth, and with their lips do honor me, but have removed their heart far from me. And their fear toward me is taught by the precept of men. In other words, by human reasoning, people are coming to, to the point of worshiping God and saying that they, uh, what their relationship is, but it's not from that, that basic heart surrender and cleansed by the blood but it's rather they say they want to draw near. And I fear that it's possible that we are duped into this reality sometimes. We, we do things because we're expected to. We do things because it's routine. We do things because it's habit. But really, in our heart, have we kind of got it figured out? I've done A, B, and C, therefore I'm, I'm good to go on with what I want to do now. Uh, we kind of give lip service to God, but in our, our heart is really serving self somehow that's the challenge it's something i want to bring to our attention because it's part of my concern and my burden can we find ourselves in that plight do we at times i thought we would sing the song 649 near still near but i don't think we will for time's sake and I'd like for us to think about a couple more things yet in 2 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 17, and following through 7, 1. It says, Come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. You know, the challenge I've said is that we are, we are accosted by the, the tempter. We are, we are influenced by, by the uh, hostile environment around us in the spiritual realm. But there's a remedy for that. It is to love God and to prove that love by taking a stand, by our actions, by the way we seek God with our heart and, and with our, our sincere desire to have it God's way. And if that's, that's really our heart, then we're going to be pursuing holiness. And that's what I want us to see in the rest of this passage. We separate ourselves from God, or from the world, 
But God has a promise for us if we, if we continue after him. Verse 18, and I, I will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Verse 7, verse 1 of chapter 7, having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. In Psalm, and, and we could have a whole message on that. Maybe we will next, next time I'm here in this pulpit. Uh, along that line, how we, how we pursue that perfecting holiness. But in Psalm 51, verse 7 through verse 13, this passage I read at the beginning, now I want to read it again. Just let this, this psalm be our expression of worship and they will sing um, song 321 as a closing song and close the message psalm 51 7 purge me with hyssop and i shall be clean wash me and i shall be whiter than snow here <clears throat> make me to hear thy joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice i'll just stop there to say uh, what referring to the bones that are broken, I believe, is the idea of, of the chastening that we go through. If we are willing to respond to it properly, then we can experience God's healing in our lives and, and growth and the spiritual development. He goes on to say, Hide thy face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Verse 10, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. <clears throat> that continual need for restoration, for cleansing, for continuing in, in that joyful experience. There's, there's a process here that isn't really stated, but it's implied, it's strongly uh, designated here. And that is, and I want to call our attention to it, is the need for prayer. Asking God for these things continually. Seeking God is not just a motivated heart to think right, but it's a heart that commits itself to this process to the point of praying. You probably heard me say recently that one of the passages that came to my attention as it relates to prayer was uh, really spoke to me. And it was this one in, in James chapter 4 verse 2, I believe, is, is where the phrase is uh, a short phrase. Ye have not because ye ask not. If we get too busy or our, our relationship with God is cooled off enough that we don't have that urge or we don't see the need for praying, we, are, we can be missing a blessing. And to be able to have what the psalmist is saying we should have here, it's a matter of a response to our reaching out to God in prayer. And our prayer needs to be, or at least needs to contain these requests that the psalmist is requesting in his prayer. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me by thy free spirit. This continual uh, re-energizing of, of the spiritual realities the, is necessary for the ongoing spiritual victory. And this drawing closer to God, 
It's a process. It's not a once done and a once did and done deal. But it's a process of seeking God, allowing him to cleanse us and sanctify us, and continually having that desire to love God because he first loved us. And I heard a group of men say, uh, discussing this thing of what this verse means, that we'll be, we'll be known as to who we are by the way we love each other. And the idea is, uh, that we get from this is that we, we want to be part of a, a group of brothers and sisters that love each other. That's the kind of church we want to be, we want to be part of. And so the, the uh, emphasis can be, be sure you love each other. Uh, cultivate loving each other. That's good admonition, but you know what? If you're not cultivating your love for God, this won't happen. It won't happen properly. You might start to just appreciate the, the, the uh, club you belong to. It's called church. And I'm afraid that in a lot of instances in our time, there are those groups that call themselves church. And they cultivate this community of believers, uh, and it's a social interaction. It's not necessarily driven because of their love for God and their, their willingness to die to themselves and allow Christ's love to flow through them to each other. But that's the essence of what church should be. And that's what I want to encourage us to take this personal responsibility to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and spirit. Give him everything. Continually cultivating that love for God, drawing near to God. And if we take that personally, this will not be a social club. This will be a divinely spirit-filled loving brotherhood. And that's what Jesus is looking for. Let's sing our last song. That is 321, Spirit of God, Descend Upon My Heart. Domine, Spirit of God, 